Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Welcome friends to Working in Yoga. So this episode, I am so thrilled to have my friend Sonia Chapnick on the podcast. Sonia is telling us a little bit about her journey into yoga. And before I hit record on this intro, I was recording a new thing that I am offering in conjunction with the podcast called Between the Lines. And it is a little bit of my own commentary that spins off of some of the things that I get to talk about with my podcast guests on the podcast. So this is for private subscribers only. And if you're interested, make sure that you check out my website, Working in Yoga, so that you can subscribe for a very reasonable rate, like three bucks a month to Between the Lines so you can get some extra bonus footage from me. So let me make no more delay in introducing Sonia Chapnick and let's listen to Sonia's story of how she started yoga, how she shifted through sliding into her visual impairment while practicing yoga and how yoga helped her relieve stress and how she slid into yoga therapy. I think y'all are going to love Sonia, so stay tuned. Welcome, friends, to Working in Yoga. Okay, so it is my pleasure, true pleasure this week, to have my new friend Sonia on the podcast. And Sonia is a yoga therapist like me, and she has really interesting and unique stories. So welcome, Sonia, and tell everybody about you. Thank you, Rebecca, and thank you to all of the listeners that are here, and I'm so thrilled to be here in this moment. So, uh, yeah, working in yoga, what an interesting idea. I love that you are in the this format of asking questions and kind of bringing highlights to what we do in the field. <laughs> and <Thank you>. uh, <laughs> so I really... The first thing I want to say is I love yoga and I have been a practitioner of yoga for over 30 years now. And I found my way into yoga as part of kind of a desperate attempt to find a solution for my misery. (laughs) I was very stressed out. I was in my early 20s and I was fresh out of college and fresh in the work field, in the field of 
biology and I worked for an environmental consulting firm and was really kind of gung-ho on life and got a diagnosis uh, that I was going to go blind in three years. And that was kind of worst case scenario. They, they gave it a little bit of cushion of, you know, maybe three to seven years. We just don't know. And of course, I had a massive freak out. <laughs> and from there, trying many different things, uh, including yoga, uh, as directed by one of my friends who said, you know, yoga could be really good for stress management. And that was my hope. And in finding yoga, the first, I would say the first few months, but certainly that first yoga class, there was so many moments of comfort. <laughs> and even though it was confusing because I didn't understand really the language and I didn't understand, not just the language of, oh, they're saying these Sanskrit words, which I didn't even at the time know that that was Sanskrit, but you know, the the words that occur in class and then the concepts of maybe moving the body in a certain way. And I just, I, I was so enthralled by that. And yeah. that moment of feeling like no matter what, I am okay. And walking out of the class and knowing that I would be back. So that's kind of that first shift of, okay, life is getting out of hand a little bit. And now, even though I don't know what's happening, I will kind of change my direction or trajectory a little bit to see if I can handle what might come through life without it bowling me over, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And so... It took me, you know, quite, quite some time to explore what different kinds of classes there are. And I kind of went into like, give me all the books that I could access. And I had a friend of mine reading, you know, some intro to yoga books to me. And it definitely took me on the journey that I've been on for so long. And then after, I would say it was a couple years of not really you know, just dappling here and there. Okay, I'll go to yoga class and then I'll do this and that. And then I finally was able to make a huge shift and move from where I was because I was living in Nashville, Tennessee. And I moved to California and that was a huge leap. But I, I had that moment where I couldn't do the job I wanted to do anymore. And I really didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew it had to be with yoga. So I went to stay with my sister at the time who had just moved to California also. And I, you know, I took a teacher training class. And then from that moment on, I wanted to embrace what yoga had to offer and like really understand it on a visceral level as well as an intellectual level. And after that moment, you know, I didn't even really want to teach initially because I felt like I needed to know more. I didn't want to be someone that was trying to 
tell people what to do if I didn't know it myself. Yeah. And that's where uh, we had talked earlier that I started taking as many classes as I could. And look, I think when we find something new that we want to know more about, we might go a little overboard. Yeah. <laughs> We're real hungry. <laughs> I was insatiable. Yeah. And yeah. that, you know, that was quite a learning also in itself. So once I found the path of, okay, I've, I've taken this too much and I've, I've taken more than I could chew. I started backing off and finding from those, you know, cause I was a very active, you know, I came from a kind of a fitness idea and bodybuilding and kind of go, go, go. And the, you know, there's no pain, then there's no gain, that whole mentality. And so putting that mentality into my yoga practice yeah. was quite a mistake, but I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> right. And so hindsight, you know, has a lot of clarity and it took lots of, lots of learning through the yoga sutra of yama and niyama and how to cultivate the opposite, you know, activating the sense of trust and faith and uh, going from that place of doing so much yoga and then teaching so much yoga. Cause I went, once I got my certification and I felt really confident about what I was doing, then I was all over the place living in Los Angeles. And look, I don't drive because of my vision condition. And so I was even, you know, making people drive me to places and taking access services, which is a paratransit company and, you know, taking that no pain, no gain kind of idea, just yeah. embracing it all. Yeah. And so <laughs> I would say I did that for maybe three years and all the while, you know, I'm, I'm studying still because I also found the Krishnamacharya lineage along the way and then got really interested in, well, what is this function over form as opposed to, you know, get into that pose and hold that pose and, and stay there for a really long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so finding the moments to pause. And I think that main transition that happened for me when I discovered what yoga therapy might offer, I also took an entire year off of my physical practice. I mean, I still did asana, but it was much more refined and restorative based. Yes, I think so, so many of us have gone through that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and the understanding of, oh, wait a second, the nervous system and the mind-body-breath connection is what is sustainable, not that working and moving and overdoing it and fighting with the injuries and those kinds of things. <laughs> So, so is that how 
how you shifted into yoga therapy? Yes, that was the initial phase when I started to understand a bit more and learned about IAYT, the International Association of Yoga Therapists, and kind of starting to follow what they were doing in the field and and uh, studying, you know, through Desikachar and and the people that were related to him, you know, all the teachers that are related to, to that lineage. So yeah. tell me a little bit about your work as a yoga therapist, because also I think that a lot of folks, I know a lot of folks who listen to this are yoga teachers, teachers who are trying to figure out how to make yoga a profession like you and I were all those years mm-hmm. ago. I mean, that's how I slid into yoga therapy was I was like, how, how is this my job now? I can't teach 30 classes a week. How, how am I making yoga something that is my job and is nourishing? So tell me a little bit about your work as a yoga therapist. So working as a yoga therapist, the shift really went from all those different classes and not really having a specialization. Although I found myself in a niche where I was very, I was requested many times to work with older adults I was working also as a research assistant for the clinical director for a company that helped people with vision loss. And so I found myself in diabetes support groups and different realms that that felt like, ooh, I might need even more study. Yeah to help me make sure that, oh, if someone shows up with a knee replacement, I know that I'm utilizing a HEMSA and not telling them something that I think is right, I can actually get a little bit more of a foundation. And so as I was working with people um, that needed that more specialization, I ended up, you know, doing uh, my yoga therapy training through Loyola Marymount University, and then shifting into more clinical work as I did an internship. And then while I was doing my internship through a chronic pain management center, I also began my studies with the optimal state. And that kind of conjunction of those two learning platforms helped me be really comfortable in no matter who shows up, I will be able to offer support and not just reducing suffering for myself, (laughs) right? Yes, yes. Like, oh no, somebody comes to me with COPD or any kind of other diagnosis that might have been like, oh, I can't touch that, right? <laughs> um, yeah. To, oh, okay. I think just using the wisdom that I've gained through the certification process of IUIT, because it, it's quite an in-depth process to get the hours and to get the experience clinically and one-on-one to be able to have that certification, which I think does differentiate a yoga therapist from, a, you know, yoga teaching. And it's hours and hours. I mean, I've 
you know, thousands of hours of, <laughs> of training. Yeah. But when I work one-on-one with people, we do assessment and, and it's really this brilliant co-negotiation with each person. And even in the focus groups that I work with now, you know, we have an initial assessment individually, and then we have a group assessment. And then that is something that's carried through the whole program. Yeah. So that we're doing that, a check-in and making sure that their goals and their ability to be empowered for their own sense of well-being and that they have access to what tools might be used at what time. Yes. I I mean, I love having this conversation with yoga therapists, which A, reminds me my credential is due for re-upping. So I have to make sure I refill out those forms. Um, But like, it matters. The credential does matter. We have done so much work as yoga therapists to learn the the full scope of yoga, not just the asana. And there's nothing wrong with just knowing the asana when you're first out of a 200 hour teacher training, that is what you know, mostly. But if you really want to understand the full scope of what yoga has to offer, that's what we yoga therapists study. And the credential does matter. It really does. So how has this work for you, this yoga therapy work? What are you offering now to sort of guide people through with yoga? That, so just to make sure I understand <laughs> the guide, <laughs> the guide, I am the guide, right? Yeah, yeah. So I help facilitate space for anyone who is seeking their own way to a sense of ease. Right. Because now more than ever, we're in a state of, I I would say turmoil. I mean, it seems like everybody that I speak with, something is going on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, this summer for all of us. Yes. Oh, for everybody. And then not just individually, but collectively, as we think of what's happening socially and then on a global level, it's just, it's amazing that, you know, the, the suffering that we're really all experiencing. And so I have many uh, opportunities for connection in that I have a, a website for Yoga Gently. And through Yoga Gently, I offer connections if they're, I have a visually impaired class that I do that is complimentary for anyone that is part of Hearts for Sight. And uh, what I find when working with anyone who has any kind of vision loss, they often have very low proprioceptive or the awareness of their body in space. And um, quite often there's a disconnection between how the body moves and how the mind moves and how the breath integrates. And so uh, bringing that into kind of the forefront of their experience. And sometimes that can be a big shift. Do you primarily work with folks with vision loss or is that like your niche, so to speak, or is it all humans? 
Um, I would say my niche is really older adults and older adults have a lot of challenges with their eyesight, with their balance, with their readjusting to what they might not be able to do anymore, but they feel really frustrated that they can't do that. And so again, it's that mind sight and mind shift and the state of trust and acceptance and kind of reorganizing how to approach life and, and, you know, with that reassessment, how can they come back to just being okay? Like I said, at the very beginning of part of the journey that I was on. Okay. So tell us about this cool new program you're doing. Oh, yes. Thank (laughs) you for asking about that. So one of the practices that I use, and I've been using it for a long time, when I first made that initial shift, like I was telling you earlier about going from, you know, those very hard physical practices to the more subtle practices, I got very into yoga nidra. And Mm -hmm. so after many years of kind of cultivating this little seedling, (laughs) um, I have a program called Optimal Nidra and it is through Optimal State and it is learning from the Panchamaya model, which is that state of, um, from the Taittiriya Upanishads, very ancient text of viewing every person as a whole from five aspects of the human system. So we're utilizing that and the yoga sutra and the optimal state assessment tools and our ability to do the work ourselves first. So this program called optimal measure is a four month program and it starts in October of this year and it's October 14th. There's a, an early bird special. If this happens to go out before that, I, I yeah. doubt it, but um, <laughs> September one, we might extend that deadline. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be so amazing. And I'm excited to be able to share it because it really is um, a beautiful weaving together of how do we regulate the nervous system How are we able to assess for ourselves what will bring us back into a state of balance and regulation? And then once we understand that, how are we able to offer that for our clients and students and how we might be able to prevent anyone from having maybe a worsened reaction to what they might be dealing with for whatever reason? Because remember, all of us are dealing with the undercurrents of discomfort, suffering, and trauma. And however that works for us and how we show up with that, you know, can be, you know, a little bit tricky. And so to have a guide to help also facilitate that will be, um, part of what we do in this new course. (laughs) And so I want to make sure everybody knows Optimal State is Amy Wheeler's program. 
Um, and we will have links to everything in the show notes. So if you're looking to take Asanya's Nidra through Optimal Nidra, that link will be in the show notes. So just go back to where you're listening to this and click on the show notes and it will be right there. Okay, so I have a couple more questions though for you. So yes. tell me a little bit more about your experience of working as a yoga therapist. So this is working in yoga and I want you to talk a little bit about what it like. What is your experience working as a yoga therapist? So folks at home who are listening know what it's like for us. Yeah. So I I have been fortunate enough to have two very distinct ways of working as a yoga therapist. One in a clinical setting in a uh, in a an integrative medical system and working with one-on-one clients who often had never heard about yoga or yoga therapy. And in that situation, many times there is a misconception about yoga. Mm. So what I found in working in the chronic pain management system, as this integrative system, we were able to work with the main MD and the clients or the patients, they were actually patients of this facility that served underserved population. And it is with acupuncturists and chiropractors. And I think there is an osteopath once in a while there and a mental health facility also incorporated in all of it. So they were able to get referred to different components. And when, when many of these um, patients would come in, the first piece was kind of dispelling any misconceptions that they might have had. Yes. And oftentimes, the most that we could do is sit and breathe because they didn't they they don't even know how to breathe. And what we know as yoga therapists, when the breath is short and shallow and as yoga teachers, we may also know this, but on a deeper level, the shift for a, a person that's that's kind of learning this for the first time, that is such a, a shift. So helping gain respiratory intelligence, I felt like was the most important piece of working with this particular population. Mm-hmm. And then once that can happen, oh, talk about the light bulbs going off, you know, the, yeah. then they felt yeah. like, what? I, I dropped my own blood pressure, you know, because we measure before and after this, the, you know, session. And a lot of times there would just be this, well, wait a second, you know, how, how did that happen? What did you do? Like, I did nothing. You, I might've <laughs> led you into... Yeah. a really simple extended exhale practice. And guess what? When that happens, not only did their breath rate change and their blood pressure lower, but their pain lessened. So, you know, that piece of being able to work in the field like that was just, I just felt so fortunate and I loved everybody that I worked with in the, the system. Of course, in the pandemic, that changed. Yes. And then going from, and look, 
all along, I was teaching in a studio. Also, go, you know, I have a couple of very selective uh, public classes, but then also privates going, one, you know, one-on-one yeah. to people's homes and uh, working one-on-one in a different way. Um, and the assessment is the same, you know, doing that initial check-in and then a constant assessment as we're going through, whether we're doing a four-week program or an eight-week program, it's still going to have those moments of checking in because sometimes working one-on-one with people, they might forget what they started with. So then we have this history of, as we document what's occurred from the first time we met to as we go through, you know, however long we work together, that um, I think you you have highlighted some things that I really want to point out for folks who are listening about yoga therapy. One is that you have mentioned breath work and nidra and you, the yamas and the niyamas. So those yoga teachers who want to share those those deeper aspects of yoga, like we get to do that as yoga therapists all the time. <laughs> it's essential. I mean, it's a, yes. it really is essential. Yes. And going back to not to interrupt you, but oh, no. the idea that we in the West have taken asana as the only part of yoga. Yes. And don't forget, it's the tiniest part of yoga, really. <laughs> yeah. Because when you think of the eight limbs of yoga, as Patanjali mentions in the Yoga Sutra, there are only three Yoga Sutra that speak about asana. Yes. Everything else is, you know, life (laughs) and breath. (laughs) So true. Yes. What you're going to, you know, how you respond to things. And so I think that's very interesting. And I was fortunate enough in my 200 hour, the very first time I took the 200 hour teacher training long, long ago in the (laughs) late (laughs) nineties, that the teachers that I took from actually encouraged us to embrace that. So, you know, the sutra was part of our training and, and in that first phase, the part that I really latched onto was something called Pratyahara. And that is the fifth, you know, um, limb of of the yoga sutra, uh, the eight limbs. And so that's the piece where if you cannot be so swayed by the external forces and you're able to bring yourself back to that state of calm and ease, then there's clarity and there's, you know, less impact by those discomforts of life. (laughs) Yes. And, and so our job, I think our job is really cool. And so I'm excited this season of working in yoga to highlight some of us yoga therapists doing cool work out there in the community. We love yoga. We really, all of us have such a passion for yoga and what it brings to our lives and the humans we get to share it with is just so amazing. So thank you so much, Sonia, for coming on and sharing your journey with us and your passion and your yoga therapy. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you very much for offering this. And not just working in yoga because you are working in yoga and we're living in yoga. And so that is, 
the beauty of what you're doing with your work and all the people who are on the journey of yoga, sharing it with the people that they're working with and whether they're yoga teachers or yoga therapists, I think that is a real gift that we offer to the world. Thank you so much, Sonia, for being on the podcast. Make sure you check out her website, Yoga Gently. And don't forget to check out the Optimal State website because Sonia is launching a Yoga Nidra program with her partner. And I have absolutely no doubt that it is going to be phenomenal. Okay, so next week is my first solo episode of season three. And let me tell you, I have a bit to say. I have been thinking about grief and how... Professionally, I think folks in my quote-unquote generation of teaching need to go through some grieving. We need to grieve what was so that we can accept what is and be excited for our future. There's a lot that this is laying the pathway for throughout the rest of the season, including my final episode at the end of the year where I get to talk with my friend and fellow podcaster, Shannon Crow about all the things that have happened in the yoga industry this year. Don't miss a minute. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.